uh, go for launch. Five. Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. Anything can happen in the next half hour. Four. My friend, we cannot keep this a secret any longer. This whole thing is insane. Three. Quiet, please. I am analyzing. Where's the kaboom? Two. There was supposed to be an earth-shattering kaboom. One. Hello, and welcome back to Planet 8, my fellow intergalactic travelers. To my side, as always, is Chief Engineer Bob. Up in our spy satellite is Reconnaissance Officer Karen. I'm your Mission Commander Larry, and we have a very special guest visiting Planet 8 today, Henry from the Geek Speak Show. Welcome, Henry. Thanks. Nice to be back. And for those of you who have been listening for a while, we actually had a podcast, the podcast within a podcast at a convention where we met Henry. We started talking with the Geek Speak folks. And uh, we got into a discussion about The Last Jedi. And so we thought we'd kind of continue into that discussion today. And let's just go straight with Henry. Last Jedi, where did we leave off in, in that discussion? Where were you on Last Jedi? Great film or so-so film or let's remind the audience. Great film. Uh, we started it, uh, Creatures Con is where you were talking about. Con, that's right. And uh, we actually were talking Star Trek and somehow we got into Last Jedi. And, yeah, right. and I said, I think, I think you, both of you or, or you and Karen, somebody said, I didn't like it. And I think it was Karen or Bob. Somebody said I didn't like it either. And I said, well, I, I loved it. And there was like, a moment of silence, like, <laughs> okay. So it kind of started from there. So, uh, I mean, but again, I've said it many times on our show, on our reaction to the last Jedi episode, it was uh, almost two hour long show. Mm-hmm. I, I loved it. I loved the last Jedi. It's the, it, it's empire is still the best to me. Uh, last Jedi is after new hope. So those, the, it goes in that order. Right. And it's mainly because, to me, who I was four years old when I saw it was just Star Wars. It wasn't even episode four yet. But when I saw it in theaters at the Coronet, which is long gone in San Francisco, mm-hmm. I saw it there. Um, this one, Last Jedi, more than anything, took me back to that time. And what I mean by that is it's it's my heroes up there, even though Han was missing. But it's my heroes the same as me. Whereas I've grown up, I've had failures. I've uh, I thought things were going to go great for me, and they didn't. Mm-hmm. Same thing here. It wasn't happily ever after Ewoks dancing. We're playing. Uh, we're using stormtroopers as as drums. No chub chub song. Yeah, yeah. and <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know it's a space fantasy, and so somebody redoes it. I know it's uh, a space fantasy, but it brought a lot of realism to it to, to the characters, especially again to someone like me who's been there from the beginning. I I, I saw that. I don't. I don't. Same as with Star Trek. I never wanted to see. Uh, well, they were in their seventies at the time, but now an eighty-year-old. William Shatner rolling around fighting Connor, whoever, because it's just not going to happen. It won't work. It'll be it'll be a joke at that time. Same thing with with now. I know everybody wants to see. Oh, Luke should have had an epic battle with Kylo. Really? Then why is Ray there? It's their story. It's not Luke's story. They're just there uh, to remind you, like, oh yeah, this is where it started. But well, he did sort of have an epic battle at the end. I mean, he did, but not. Like, it was not 
physical Luke, but yeah, and, I mean, and that, that is, is you and can't that is, battle much like better than that. I didn't need to see that. I don't, I don't want to see that. I want to see whether they fight or whatever happens. I, I'm waiting for nine to see what the resolution to Ray and, and Kylo and Ben, I guess now what their story is. But with Luke, I thought it was perfect ending. And the one, the biggest thing that everybody complains about is my favorite part. When he throws the lightsaber, like, like I said, I would have done the same thing at this point. I've done, done it many times. I just get frustrated and I just throw the microphones. Like, I, I had enough. No more. I, I hate radio. I hate doing this stuff. So, so I get that. And well, I think, I think Luke fought better in Last Jedi than Obi-Wan did in Star Wars. Last <laughs> Hope or First. I, I <laughs> first argue that point. <laughs> Well, I mean, but, do you guys see this parallel though? This is yeah. what I what I saw in in that in Obi Wan's first, or, or I guess last fight in the. This is where we get in trouble because it's the first fight that we saw, but it's actually right. the last fight chronologically. So, any well, new well, bit of Star Wars? I want to say spoiler alert if you've never seen a Star Wars movie. <laughs> <laughs> You've got 40, 41 years to catch up. Well, that's the thing, because when you, when you first experienced the first Star Wars, none of the other stuff existed. You're just there. You're seeing that for the first time. Yeah. It was all exciting, even Obi-Wan's lightsaber duel with Darth Vader. Yeah. And, of course, as the movies went on, then you could get better duels and better fights and better effects and better this and that. But taking that movie as a product of its time when it was, yeah, it was great. I'm of yeah, the opinion, so. right, I understand what you're saying. There's no wrong way to like Star Wars, whether you liked Luke throwing the lightsaber or whether you liked Rey picking up the mantle of the Jedi in another direction, whether you liked the original Star Wars or Empire. You may have loved the Ewoks and for your birthday did the Nub Nub song around the birthday cake. <laughs> I'm not faulting the reason for liking uh, a particular movie. It's interesting what Henry was saying in that he he was a young boy, saw Star Wars, Luke meeting Ben Kenobi. What if Ben would have pulled the lightsaber out and said, this is your father's lightsaber and threw it over his shoulder and said, figure out the force by yourself, son. <laughs> and, and, and Luke just kind of like dejected, walks away in the lightsaber, trying to figure out what did Ben Kenobi mean by that? That's kind of what happened with Ray. I mean, now let's, you know, okay, so she sees Luke and Luke throws the lightsaber away. When she's in the uh, Moskatana bar, that lightsaber calls to her. Yoda speaks to her. Obi-Wan speaks to her. The force is calling. There's this thing that's happening with this lightsaber that reaffirms to her that she has a bigger picture in this galaxy. And she believes it and she hands it to Luke and Luke's like, no, 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 that's, and I just don't understand, you know, on radio, you, you, you've had successes, you've had failures in life and so on and so forth. But again, we go back to the first Star Wars. If Ben would have said, this is your father's lightsaber and eh, threw it out the window, where would Luke's journey have taken him? But then again, wouldn't that be symbolic of Jedi's in the force and all that is more than just a lightsaber? Right, you know? because, uh, you know, whether you like the prequels or you hate the prequels, the prequels had a couple of scenes where they were training the quote-unquote younglings in, in the meaning of the Force, Yeah, you know? And there well, was a thing that Yoda said, oh, beautiful mind, the young, you know, and that's how they find the Camino or something like that. It kind of gets to the, the big, the problem a lot of people have with Last Jedi, I think. And I'm not, this is not my issue with it. I'm just vocalizing Right. A problem I hear some people say yeah. is that that uh, the Star Wars movies, by and large, have all been about 
fate and predestination and people following a path, right? And then Last Jedi comes along and it sort of says, now throw all that out the window and carve your own path, right? And it's very difficult for people who have been following this epic for years and years that's been about, you know, there's a lot of repetitive nature to Star Wars, which some people like or dislike. There's, you know, like you guys are talking about fate. I mean, you can look at at the Skywalker family and there seems to be a lot of predestination. You're destined to do certain things, blah, blah, blah. And what this movie sort of says is, no, throw that out the window. Anybody can be that person that's needed that, you know, which is, you, I think is a, a fine message. It just breaks with what we come to expect from Star Wars. And I think that's a hanging point for a lot of folks. Yeah, honestly, I'm jumping on Karen's point there. That's what I love about The Last Jedi more than anything. The fact that, yeah, it uh, that one more than whatever we see in Nine, that one ended the Skywalker story. And I'm glad, like Karen was just saying, that Ryan made that point. And that's what people seem to hate, that it, uh, anyone can be can use the Force. And, and, I, and I love that. It's not just the Skywalker. It's not just you're destined to to bring balance to the force, whatever it is. All right, we've seen that story. And going back again to your point, Larry, I just said a minute ago, what if Obi-Wan had thrown it? Well, honestly, realistically, if you look at his story now that we know it, Obi-Wan, he, more than Luke, had every reason to throw that light or not even care about that kid they left in the desert because he was, he followed everything down to the last rule that Yoda and all the masters said he didn't marry, he didn't anything. This kid, they find this kid, oh, my master doesn't want me. He's going to train him now. He's, he's the chosen one. You're going to train him. He falls to the dark side. Right. Nobody cares about me. I followed Yoda. I did everything. And in the end, what do I get? I'm living by myself in a hut in the desert. <laughs> he, more than anybody, had a reason to throw that thing, and he didn't because he still believed in that dogma in, in, in the Jedi. And they, he believed that the, this kid, the, the offspring of one of the most powerful Jedi ever, uh, could bring balance to the Force. Here, Luke went through all that. He saw that. I mean, it was him. He he right, lived through right. that. He lost the hand for it. it. All of that. He with his hand, apparently, according to the Last Jedi, also went his belief in all this. He, he doesn't need to follow that dogma. Very much. Again, back to the realism. A lot of people, whatever whatever religion is, but I'm going to stick specifically with the Christ, Christianity, uh, Catholic mm-hmm. people are leaving in droves. A lot of it has to do with with the dogmen, and they're starting to see as we as we as we as humans progress, it, it, it doesn't really fit into how we should treat each other. So that they're leaving in droves. Same thing here. Uh, all that I love how he told the story. He was telling uh, Ray the story of Sidious, and and it's what I've said many times, talking about the different fans about about the prequels and the original ones, they were so powerful, they couldn't sense the Sith Lord right there under their nose. So how powerful are they really? Same thing here. And it's like, oh, we, we have these, the Ten Commandments and all these things and all that, but yet you, if you're not part of our little circle, you don't actually belong with the rest of us humans. And people don't, don't like that kind of stuff. Same thing here. Luke is throwing that thing symbolic of him saying, you know what? Didn't work. Time for something else. And yet he could not burn the Jedi not the temple, whatever that tree was. Yeah. Yoda had to do it. Yeah. So if Yoda or Luke really did believe the time for the Jedi is over, he threw away the lightsaber. Why could he not burn the tree? Yeah. Which again, that Yoda part, that is my that that is the entire message of you and I agree. I, I love that Yoda part, and I love yeah. the message that he put in there. Um, 
because really, I mean, we, we group them all into a group of millennials. You guys need to learn from that. That, right? If you want instructions for life, right there from Yoda. Let me just say in a side note, if the Catholic Church ever handed out lightsabers, I'd become a Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> that would be freaking awesome. Yeah. You'd um, hold on to it. <laughs> but it's a good point. You look at the Jedi over the course of the all the films, and especially the, the prequels, and the, the Jedi just... They screwed up repeatedly. <laughs> they don't. They don't look so admirable um, through the lens, especially of the prequels. Uh, and you can see it. It just wasn't working. You know, it just. There were a lot of of uh, high ideals, but the the execution was not there. Right. You know, they they certainly messed up Anakin to a great de degree, and then. Uh, when you get right. to Luke, he doesn't really have anybody to teach him or to help him, but he seems to turn out probably better, at least by the end of the original trilogy, he's probably turned out better than anybody else because he's just kind of following his own gut instincts, which are to be a good moral person, right? So I, I, I don't know. I think that says a lot. That's a good point. And I'm, I'm wondering, did the Sith underestimate the Jedi or how corrupt... Sidious could make Vader because in the end it was Anakin that defeated the Emperor, not Luke. Well, no, I was <laughs> going to say we do not under it. I've always been about the dark side. I've, 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 from day one when I saw it as a, as a four-year-old, I always loved Darth Vader. I, I, I'm all about the dark mm -hmm. side. That's why I love Kylo. And even before I knew his story, now that I do know kind of his story, I love him even more. But no, I love that. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because no, even though people see it as, well, he didn't see that. Uh, yeah, in a way, Luke didn't do it, but his dad did, which is what, again, the grandson decades later does also. Yeah. In order to go all the way to the dark mm -hmm. side, you have to get rid of the thing that you are most attached to. At that point, what was it for Anakin slash Vader? His master. And throwing him over is like, okay, I'm done. He died too, but there you go. Right, right. Now, yeah. Ben, same thing. What is the thing he he doesn't want to admit it? But what is what is he most attached to? His father. He hates the. That's what that why that line is in there. He hates the fact that Ray sees Han as a father. He would have disappointed you. That was one of the, my favorite lines in there. Mm. Like, what did he do that disappointed Ben so much? To turn to the dark side. Right, right. But Walker. I guess it's still a mystery of who her parents are. I mean, yeah, it's like Kylo Ren said. They She's were just no one. A couple slubs or whatever on the planet, but was I, he will, was he telling the truth or is that? I will bet good money that JJ is going to fix that and her parents. JJ is coming back for a reason. Love or hate what Ryan Johnson did uh, with that film, JJ is coming back. But Ryan's getting his own little three movie deal to to play in, so they they love. But Walker, you're going to make a point. Oh no, it, it's irrelevant, but. The thing with, yeah, with, with J.J. coming back, so there's so many things, right? This is, this is a point of contention for people as well. You know, you have these seeds planted, like, who is Ray's parents? And then we get the movie, well, they're nobodies. But then when, with J.J. coming back, if he unwinds that and we find out, no, no, that was Kylo Ren messing with her head, her parents are really, you know, somebody important in the saga, how does that screw up this, this storyline we've been given, this idea that, hey, 
you don't have to be part of the Skywalker family or you don't have to be connected to them in order to be significant, you know. Well, you know, I I look at it as there were Jedi before the Skywalkers and there's going to be Jedis after the Skywalkers. And, uh, you know, Mace Windu was a great Jedi master. Kayati Mandu was a great uh, master. Yoda, Yaddle, uh, you know. Ray. Oh, that's that's pulling one out there, Larry. Well, you know, <laughs> I was going to say, hey, I, I wanted to impress Let's the get Geeks deep. Deep show. So. <laughs> Getting deep on Planet 8. No, that was great. That was a lot of fun. I want to throw a question out to, to each of you, and we'll start up in the satellite. Uh, if, if you could pick who, or if we'll find out whose race parents are, uh, Walker, who, who would you say uh, one of Ray's parents or both Ray's parents should be? Um, I don't know. I, 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 I actually do uh, like the idea that her parents could be anonymous, that they're not connected to the rest of the Skywalker family or, or the peripheral characters, because um, that does kind of expand things. It kind of pulls us away from, from the... Uh, the old story and the Skywalker story, as much as I love, everybody knows that I'm a huge Luke Skywalker fan and, and I, I'm not going to get on my soapbox and talk about how Star Wars is really about Luke Skywalker and not Darth Vader. I won't plunge into that today. Um, but uh, I, I did like that idea. As much as I have mixed feelings about Last Jedi, I, I really did enjoy most of the stuff with Rey and Kylo Ren and Luke. And I think I would just keep it as they were just, a couple of people and she happens to be um, just really powerful with the force. And I think that's a, a good way to go. So I was happy actually with that part of last Jedi. That's a good point. Uh, let's go to Henry. Uh, I can go one of two ways. One is, and I, I, again, now that it's JJ and he's notorious for doing this, going on the way back to laws, none in purgatory, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, same thing here that nobody, nobody from the, Nobody we know is her parents. From the beginning, when it was announced that we were going to have Ray, everyone saw the Solo Twins, Jaina and and, uh, right. and, and uh, what's her name? I forget the other guy. The, the other guy's name. Um, but the, this story is is not exactly like what you saw in there, but it could end up that where they have to again have to have one final battle, cousin against cousin or brother and sister or whatever, whatever it turns out being so. Right. Hopefully it does. It doesn't go that way, and 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 I'm I'm with Karen. I hope it is, it does stay as yeah. It it wasn't anybody important, Mr. Bob. Good question. I think everyone was led to believe that she was Luke's daughter at one point, and I think that was probably part of the disappointment was that she wasn't, and she was just the daughter of a couple nobodies. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I think. If it was revealed that she was Luke's daughter, I think it would be interesting. But. It, it would be. It would add a different dynamic to the story. And apparently we all have heard, spoiler alert, Luke is going to be in the next movie. Yeah. Force Ghost Luke? Or a war? I, I don't know. Resurrected I don't know. Luke? <laughs> um, I'm going to stick with the Metachlorian theory that um, Ray was just a manifestation of these Metachlorians. Just kidding. Um, someone put out there that she was actually like the granddaughter of Obi-Wan 
And, you know, the whole thing about, well, you know, the Skywalker bloodline and Ray has to have important parents to be an important Jedi and be powerful, whatever. Nobody ever asked who Yoda's parents were. Nobody ever asked who Obi-Wan's parents were. Um, nobody ever asked, you know, Mace's parents, Mace Windu. It didn't really matter. Um, the reason I think it matters to so many fans in this film is that, you know, Ray was going to become the heir apparent to the next trilogy of films. And I'm, I don't know, I'm going to throw something off on the side here. I think it would have been interesting if it hadn't been Ray who was the force user, the new Jedi, but, uh, oh, and kick me now because I can't remember, uh, his name, um, Finn. Finn. What if Finn was the Jedi and was force sensitive and whatever. At one point in time, he did pick up the lightsaber and, he held his own for a little while with the potential new Sith Lord, uh, Ben uh, Solo. I mean, it's one thing to pick up a lightsaber, but he hasn't really shown any kind of force ability at all. I mean... Well, you know, he, he found his way to the encampment and the water pit and stuff. I mean, that took a little doing. Um, I'm, I'm just saying it would have been an interesting twist. That's just things. being resourceful. <laughs> well, I actually I thought that too when Force Awakens first came out, but I, I was thinking that about Poe because, again, that, that's a pilots. good point. Right. That, that is a very good point. Let me ask you this. Who is the guy that Poe talks to, uh, the older gentleman? He says, oh, she'll always be a princess to me. Who is he? Who was he? Yeah. Does it matter? Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> Henry? I mean, Lord Santeca. But, but, yeah, somehow he knows – their history, who they are. So like, who, sounds like sounds like he was uh, a good friend of theirs. Walker, Max von Sydow. <laughs> <laughs> I, there's all those characters in Star Wars that that appear and disappear in the blink of an eye. You know, add texture, but I don't necessarily have to know everything about them. So I can imagine. But I, you know, getting back to Finn, I guess that's. That's one of those things where it's kind of a major disappointment to me that in two movies, I I feel like he's been given the shaft. He doesn't really have that much character development compared to Ray or even Poe. Um, he's just sort of this guy flailing around going, where's Ray? And uh, I hope in the third movie we get a, a little more development for him. You know, yeah, I, I agree with you to a point, but he did take down... Um the Chrome Stormtrooper, what was her name? Uh, Phasma. Captain yeah, Phasma. Captain Phasma. And uh, I, I don't know, the whole casino thing was kind of weird for me. Yeah, uh, not necessary. <laughs> yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. I understand the, the, the child that, you know, at the end of the movie holds up the broomstick and stuff, and they met him in the stables. I get it. But, um, yeah, he took down Phasma. And- uh, but, but why was Phasma even there? It, it, it was just a... She's almost as pointless as Boba Fett was in in uh, Return of the Jedi. I I, I just it, she looks cool, but there wasn't much there. A lot of Star Wars characters are in there. Because <laughs> the toys, they, yes, the toys, the toys. Make a good yeah. toy, yeah. For Captain Phasma, we'll know her story about fifteen, twenty years from now when they special edition these, or they go back in. <laughs> or through ultimate endless fan fiction, Captain Phasma, a Star Wars story. Right. Um, I don't know. There's a new animated series. I saw 15 minutes of it on, on Disney Channel something or other. 
Disney Resistance, XD, I think. Resistance. I want to yeah. say, yeah, Star Wars Resistance mm -hmm. or something like that. BB-8 was on it, and Poe actually was on it. And the actor's name eludes me as most things in life. Poe? <laughs> uh, yeah. Oscar Isaac. There you go. He actually was the voice uh, actor in the series, too. <clears throat> Will Phasma's story be, uh, you know, shared with us in, in that series or not? I don't know. I think they've done a comic series on her with her background, but I haven't picked that one up. Mm, okay. There's also one a comic with that tells not Poe but his parents' backstory, which is actually pretty cool. His his parents were both in involved in the in with in the rebellion. His mom or dad, forget which one, was actually in, in an A Wing and, and the last oh, attack on the death the second that's death cool. star. In fact, it, I think it was a, whoever it was, his mom or his dad, they were the ones that guided uh, Luke's when he took the the type, I mean, not the type, the shuttle Tidarium at the end. It was their A, the Poe's mom's A Wing that guided him down to Endor. That nice little connective yeah. tissue. Based on that, Henry, we need to find out who Ray's parents are. Because <laughs> I think that they, you know. <laughs> well, I'll say this, and, you know, everybody who's played it, they'll know what I'm talking about. Because we thought for a second. They're gonna reveal it here. The uh, the video game Battlefront. When oh the, yeah. When the second one came out, they they added some. Uh, it's called DLC down downloadable content. I sound like I know what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> but I remember right before the Last Jedi came out, they re they released that in the last chapter in the in the uh, playable section. It, it skips. You play the game, it ends, and then it it skips ahead. Uh, I think 28, almost 30 years to when. Uh, Kylo, right before where we see him in Force Awakens, right before he goes to Jakku, mm -hmm. again to Lor Santeca, where we see Poe and Lor Santeca talking. Right before that, he was in, I forget what it's called, another planet with, where Luke, in the video game, Luke actually found the map, the map they, um, that, that uh, BB-8 has. Mm -hmm. And he gave it to an Imperial officer. And that, that's how it ended up lost. Because that Imperial officer, he's visited by Kylo. And Kylo goes into his mind, and, and you actually play as Kylo Ren in the game. You get to see what he sees when he's probing somebody's mind. And that's how he discovered that it was on Jakku. Uh, and those two, there's two characters in there. They talk, they, when it skips ahead, they talk about, um, they don't say the name, they don't say who, but they say, my daughter, my daughter. And Kylo says, well, I may go after your daughter now. I said, no, stay away from, your, from, from my daughter, because if you do, you're not going to like how that ends. Similar mm. to what somebody... Mm. In this, in the second part of that, to that DLC, it's revealed it's an, actually somebody else. So for a second, we we were excited, like, wait, are those her parents? Yeah. But it, but it wasn't. But it was a nice tease by Lucas Lucas Arts, who, the, who does the video games. Well, what'll be interesting is this new animated series. It's like it's not, I don't know about it, but I mean, I actually have a couple of songs on my DVR. But does it take place before this timeline? After this timeline? Is it my during? My understanding, it's between the end of Jedi and the beginning of Force Awakens. Uh, in the 15 minutes that I saw, they do uh, reference uh, General Organa. And they show her for a minute, but she doesn't talk. Mm. Her and Poe are having this discussion on this mission and, and whatever. And BB-8's with Poe, you know, going around and they're, they're talking about the resistance and, and stuff like that, so. Well, I'll have to watch before we do more podcasts. See, on this. I, I need to do like <laughs> Michael Keaton did in that movie, Multiplicity, and just make a couple of clones of myself to keep up on 
on all the stuff that's out there. Well, that's the thing because I'm not, I'm not really a gamer, so uh, there's a whole section of information that I'm not going to get. Right, and I can't yeah. read all the comic books that are being same with comic, yeah. And I can't. So if all you're doing is following the movies, even if you're not watching the series, you're only life. getting half the information, but most likely. Slackers. I know. <laughs> you call yourself a Star Wars I, fan. I still need to uh, sit down and watch some of the Marvel uh, shows on Netflix. Yes, yeah, and I was going to say, I mean, I, I, we're living in a great time right now to be a geek, you know, like, like our mm -hmm. show isn't. Because I, I do our show, because not because it's cool enough, but because it's my DNA, like with you guys. This is what mm -hmm. we grew up with. This is what, look around it, this is what makes us us. Right. But... Yeah, there's that audience. I mean, the uh, when you go to the the midnight showings on the um, um, premiere night, it's like Hall H. Every I can't, I have to go again a second time on opening week because I can't hear the lines. Everybody's yeah. cheering so loud. Mm -hmm. Those are my people, as I always say, and it's fun going to the to those premieres. But uh, when that dies down, and then because the movies stay there, they, it's not just opening weekend, and then they they throw them out on Blu-ray or whatever. They stay there for a while. Mm -hmm. And the people who avoid those crowds, I don't want to go when it's when the lines are when they go, they're lost because if we who like this stuff, if we're not reading the comics, the video games, the this, the, all, the transmedia, as it's called. If we're not doing that, yeah, we're missing out a few things. They they just want to go see this movie that everybody's talking about, these superhero movies, the Star Wars movies. They've never picked up a comic book. They they may they know Star Wars. They've heard in, in school or in their job. May the force be with you. And they kind of have a an idea what it means but they don't know the stories or, or right. are invested like we are so to them it's just the movie and then when you come out and you hear somebody in, in the concessions talking about oh that that was that was the ship from the resistance or that was the ship from this series that was the ship and they're like what are you talking about i just wanted to watch a movie <laughs> so you yeah you are missing out on reaching that that particular audience uh i mean that's that's uh, with I, I have a multimedia company that's the goal of transmedia going across mediums where we start with what you call the parent product in this case a movie and then you, you do a comic you do a card game with this or that you may not make huge fans out of them but you may get a percentage small percentage of the card players of the book readers of the comic book readers who will come and want to know more about your movie and vice versa but uh, but again there's, there's there's that percentage of audience that isn't going to care they just want to see a good movie and that's it the, but you, you get the story here. Eh, I'll get it from you. You read it and then you tell me. Right, right, That's right. what you'll get. Well, I mean, if you, if you are strictly a Star Wars fan, then you may have the time to pursue all these series and games and movies and comics and whatever. Mm -hmm. But if you have other interests, even, with, even within the genre, and you're trying to also follow all that, you know, whether it's the Marvel movies on Netflix or Marvel Cinematic Universe or DC or... Star Trek or whatever, yeah, I mean, it's hard to find the time to delve deeply into all this stuff, you know. Well, so. right, in, in our podcast, Planet 8, we'll talk about things or we'll have our sensor sweep, and, and I, um, some of the references that Bob makes, like, I think it's called Lupin 3. Oh, Loop on the Third. Yeah. Loop on the Third. I have no idea. What, <laughs> what the is. heck is that? <laughs> uh, I know that I like a lot of things that Bob likes, and so at some point in time, I, I do need to find time to check that out. Um, but I need to finish up on, you know, Luke Cage season two also. And then I don't know how many of you guys have the DC Universe app. We, we just got it. But yeah, I, I signed up for a year. And apparently the, um, 
whatchamacallit dropped uh, this weekend. The, Titans. The Titans. So um, my fiance told me, don't watch Titans until I get home, which kind of made me feel good because she is not a geek by any stretch of the imagination. But she has slowly started down that path of geekdom. But Karen says, don't watch Titans and leaves it at that. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, so I've heard. No. You, you might have seen a posting here or there. I don't know. Maybe maybe we need to be more selective and See, delve me, I, deeper I into the good I won't things, watch it but. just because it's DC. Yeah, every, everybody who listens to the Geeks group, they know uh, I, I, I don't care about any DC, DC stuff. Person. No. Uh, I mean, uh, I'll check it out. I, I, I grew up with Batman Superman, but that was about it. Yeah. Well, you know, for me, it was a super friend. That, that was, you know. <laughs> well, yeah. Linda Carter is Wonder Woman, but Christopher hmm. Reeve. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm not all that impressed with a lot of the movies, and so I'm less apt to delve into paying money to watch more. I do, you know. Hey, as of this taping tonight is the next season premiere of Supergirl. I enjoy that. I enjoy the Flash. Not so much Arrow or Legends of Tomorrow. So it's like you know. Marvel, I'll watch whatever they throw at me. Mm-hmm. But DC, I'm more selective. Even Agents yeah. of S.H.I.E.L.D.? I watch all the episodes really? of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. I fell out like two seasons ago. My mother watch still them. watches it. <laughs> you know what's funny about that? Like, like you, I've told both of you, all of you, Karen also, uh, we cover San Diego Comic-Con, Warner right. College mm-hmm. shows. Everybody has that same attitude. that They're just like, I hate the show, I hate the show. Yet it's the most packed press room we ever have because everybody hates that show. But everybody wants to be in there. Everybody wants to talk about it. I think it's like a brand because it's Marvel. You have to be there. We have to. We have to cover them. But uh, I mean, it's it's been uh, season two, three was a little bit slow, but it's picked up a lot, uh, mm-hmm. and and it has gotten a lot better. One thing I do like about it that I, they separated from the MCU. I mean, it's mentioned their reference. The, the Battle of New York, things like that. But because they've separated from the MCU, it allows them to create their own original stories. And, and I like, especially if you've been invested in the characters from day one, I, I like where they're taking them. Yeah. But, no, the, but the MCU does influence Ages of S.H.I.E.L.D. Because, yeah. like, when, uh, you know, Captain America Winter Soldier came out. Oh, well, yeah. And, of course, S.H.I.E.L.D. was disbanded. It's like the cast is like, hey, this is our show. We're right. disbanded. What the hell? What did you, know? you do to us? And so they, they played on that the whole that whole season. They you know Didn't they had Sif to go they had to go underground and then all that. But Sif showed up in an episode. Sif showed and up Nick on an Fury. episode. Yeah. And Nick Fury. Yeah. Oh yeah yeah yeah. yeah. I, I saw that one for like five seconds. Right. Yeah. And Infinity Wars was supposed to have an impact on it, but I didn't. I thought it was supposed it, to have an impact on the did, last episode I, of last season, it, but it did, but only referenced. Yeah. It, 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 you, you so there was it something in, going on. Yeah, that was like yeah. a battle. Go- yeah, that's right because. Uh, the one character, I can't remember his name, he was in Heroes. Um, uh, Talbot. He was saying that he needed to go and fight this battle with everyone else. And, you know, he was re- referencing Thanos. Well, he was just, he had his hands full with, uh, with the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. But, but, he had, no, but his, they don't his ultimate... Because he hasn't yeah. been co- uh, commissioned. He hasn't been uh, crossing universes. I think yeah. Commissioner Gordon... He's not in charge of S.H.I.E.L.D. He's been uh, Director Coulson this it, whole time. It has to be difficult to have a TV. I mean, I mean, maybe that's why DC has Supergirl and Arrow and, and uh, Flash doing well, their own yeah, thing. Well, DC keeps influence. a separate period. Right. They're, they're two different yeah. universes, as you will. It must be hard because when you're filming a TV show, it's at a different pace than 
a movie. And then if you're going to have plot points in the movie, like you said, with the mm -hmm. uh, winter soldier yeah, and then shields coming back and it's like, what are we going to do? Well, I mean, if you guys want it, I can actually give you some inside baseball information on, on why all that happens and what goes on behind the scenes mm -hmm. with Marvel, Marvel and Marvel studios, because they are different Marvel TV and Marvel studios. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you want, if yeah, you want. No, go, go on. Go for um, it. In the beginning, yeah, yeah, they were together. Everything was was all planned out. Joss Whedon, as we know, uh, uh, directed the, the first two Avengers, and he also created uh, the Agents of Shield show. So yeah, it was it was all planned out. It's all part of the plan. He and his brother, it, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and 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 Mo, Marissa, Tantra, and they're the uh, and Jeff Lowe, they're the um, mm, the showrunners. Right. But around right after age of ultron when that movie came out um right before winter soldier um that was that was still part of the plan but that's when the breakup legally really began because i won't get into the details but is it pretty pretty good at keeping things quiet there was a little bit of turmoil behind the scenes where kevin kevin feige didn't like reporting to ike Promar, who was in charge of everything because he uh kevin had an idea for this 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 and uh, Ike Perlmutter was in charge of Marvel Comics. He said, nope, we don't do that. I don't like that. I don't want to do that. Kevin went to Bob Iger and he said, you know, I, I, I can't. He's, he's put on a straitjacket on me creatively. So Bob said, well, how about you report directly to me and we'll let them do their own thing. So from that point on, Jeff Lowe reports to Ike, not to Bob Iger. So that was the breakup legally of the MCU where mm. they do their own thing. TV does their own thing. They're allowed to mention, if you notice, the, uh, the Netflix shows they reference the Battle of New York, the MCU stuff, but you'll never see anything. You won't see Chris Evans or Chris Hemsworth in Netflix or in anything else. It'd be cool if you did, but that's the real reason why, because they're 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 it's under the same umbrella, but they're not together. They don't they don't plan it, things It's interesting anymore. you say that because the big announcement for the Disney version of Netflix is a Loki yeah. TV show and a Scarlet Witch TV show, and which will not run by Jeff Loeb. It'll be run by Kevin Feige. It's interesting, though, that they're they're setting up TV shows on that channel. I'm wondering, yeah, how much of the cinematic... Well, but also, like, was it next... Well, as of this recording, next week is Daredevil Season 4. And there season was... Three. three. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. And there was a uh, poster or picture, whatever, that was floating around of Daredevil with Avengers Tower in the background. Ooh. Now, obviously, that's... Avengers aren't going to be in right, but they, season three, but it's, in the same it's more of, yeah, just so showing that, yes, it's happening somewhere. Let, let me background. ask you guys this. Uh, everyone likes to poo-poo uh, the Justice League, uh, right or wrong. I, I like it, love it. Don't think it's Infinity War, but it is a, a, a good movie in my opinion. Uh, what is, in your opinion, we'll go with Bob, then, then we'll go around, uh, one of the weaker Marvel films, and why? One of the weaker Marvel films? Yeah. Uh, you mean as far as character? Like, Marvel's like version a, of Justice League, let's say, so that there can be an understanding of uh, what didn't work and I would, why well, didn't work. If you want to go beyond the movies, I'd say Iron Fist. No, no. Iron Man 3, Captain America Winter Soldier. uh -huh. Uh, Age of Ultron. What Iron Man Marvel? 3 is a nice little uh, Christmas movie. What was so. <laughs> <laughs> But no, I mean, yeah, you know, it might be Iron Man 3. I mean, the way they handled the Mandarin. I mean, the Mandarin was like, 
a major, major Iron Man villain. And, oh, yeah. and in this Beast film, Wars. he's like a Ringo star clone. And, <laughs> you know, although they have that little short yep. in the uh, Thor Dark Beast. World DVD or Blu-ray where they kind of set things straight that he's not really the Mandarin and the Mandarin's heading this way. But um, I think they even realized they had to apologize for that in some way. All right, so Bob, you're going to say Iron Man 3? I say Iron Man 3, even more than Thor Dark World. I, I enjoyed the first Thor, and then Dark World kind of fell off the rails. Mm -hmm. And then they came, they came back with Ragnarok, although I will say I thought there was way too much comedy in Ragnarok. Okay. Like silly slapstick comedy. The they Laurel and Hardy of, of that's the right. MCU. <laughs> but, uh, Walker, we'll kick it up to the satellite. I I would probably agree with Bob that Iron Man three I I thought was was kind of weak stuff, um, but I could also you could also say the the Incredible Hulk film was maybe not up to what we expect, but it was early days of of Marvel making films. You're talking the Ang Lee film or the other? Uh... No 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 the the oh, other one that yeah. was yeah the one that was. Uh, yeah, Ed Norton. Um, it's not a terrible film, but it just doesn't feel quite like a Marvel film yet. And I think, it, again, it was just early days. They were still kind of kind of finding their way. Um, Dark World is, is kind of on the edge. There are elements of Dark World that I think work, and those are mostly uh, when Tom Hiddleston's on the screen. Um, otherwise, it's, it, it's kind of half-baked, I think. Um, otherwise, uh, yeah, I think for the most part, most of the movies are, are pretty solid. Well, Infinity War is the worst film I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> no, but really, I've always said there, there's two that, that uh, and we've already mentioned them. Iron Man 3 is the first one. The other one is Age of Ultron. Those really are the weakest oh. ones. Uh, Ant-Man was okay, but it, it, was, it wasn't it was weak. It actually was, was good. Iron Man 3, I've always said, I think the mistake was that, it, well, not the mistake, but its problem was it was the first film that followed the first Avengers, the huge blockbuster that that was. So it made no sense that he's in trouble. I'm by myself. Uh, you're an Avenger. Call the Avengers <laughs> if you need help. That was the problem with that one. And yeah, the Mandarin was was a big one. You'll never see me come. That's not the Mandarin. Um, uh, Age of Voltron was just, that one. Again, what I just told you guys a minute ago, that was an example of that. The studio getting a bit too involved and in, in twisting Joss Whedon's arm. That we need this. We want that. We want that. He tried to tell him, it's like, hey, Sony did that with, with Sam and Sam Raimi and Spider-Man 3. Didn't work out. Let's not do it here. Didn't work. So, whoops, that, that's what happened to that, those two. But those two are, are the weakest ones. And But even, I always say, even then, even with the weakest ones, you still it's they're still enjoyable movies. They're still you can still find something in there. They're not like Fantastic Four bad. With like the the one with <laughs> Michael B. Jordan, the where 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 and um what was the one uh, Batman v Superman? I remember when I came out on the opening night, I was like, what did I just watch? What what, what is this? <laughs> they even even though they're the weakest one, they're not that bad. Nice dig at the DC films that I love so much. There you go. <laughs> just mm. um, well, I don't know. what did you think of Batman vs Superman? I, think I mean, all the Marvel films, and I think DC cool. rules. No, <laughs> Martha. <laughs> Her name's always been Martha. What are you gonna give Martha? <laughs> they just uh, realized it, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, I, 
just breaking in for a second. Yeah, yeah. Batman vs Superman. I would have rather, you know, because Lois Lane was, she's there. She knew what was going on. I would rather she told both of them, hey, hold on. Yeah. Lex Luthor's playing you, and here's what he's planning, and have them realize, you know, have her talk them into, you know, the whole what, thing. something not, rational? Not, <laughs> yeah, not just something quick like, your mother's name is Martha too? Let's be friends and let's go fight this thing. You know, well, like, maybe we could have introduced a, um, well, no, not a tree, maybe a rose and call it, uh, no, not root, let's call it toot. And let's say Toot could interact with Batman and Superman. I jest. I love the Guardians. I love the group character. It's a different kind of film. I think a lot of the hangups that people have with DC films is they're going into it expecting a Marvel movie. And they're not Marvel movies. And so, you know, that's like, you know, going to the proctologist and thinking you're going to the dentist. You're in for a different experience. I'll Whoa. tell you right now. Yeah, it is like going to the proctologist when I go to a DC movie. Oh, jeez. So, uh, yeah. I'm so, liking Karen more and more. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she'll grow on you. Trust me. <laughs> so, uh, look, love it or hate it, I think there is enough room uh, in fandom to have people who like Star Wars and people who like Star Trek, people who like Marvel and people who like DC. What fandom is, is this, appreciation and love of whatever genre that's why i never make fun of you know lupin the third or something like that i still don't know what it is but who am i to critique what bob likes or what henry likes or why henry likes it used to be that we'd all you know oh check this out oh okay no it wasn't for yeah. me or yes it was for me or, or whatever now here on the show we we rib each other i've, I've known karen forever and, and we give each other a hard time constantly it's part of the fun of the friendship Moving forward, though, in our discussion here, I want to ask you guys another question. If you were to clean up, we kind of started this with Bob. Batman, <laughs> Cleaning me up? <laughs> Batman versus Superman. If you were to give it that quote-unquote, because the three of you are Marvel fans, that Marvel touch, what would you have done to make Batman versus Superman, for lack of a better word, a Marvel movie? I don't think you would want to make it a Marvel movie. I think the problem with DC is they, they don't have a consistent vision and they don't have a straight line to where they want to go. And it's like they have this weird... So everything needs to be connected, whether it's... Not so much or connected, no. but a single, a single vision. And, you know, they, okay, like Green Lantern came out. But their vision and was green, these well, two guys fight and they're going to go. Yeah, no, no. I'm, I'm I just, would never have them fight. All right now, but. <laughs> oh, they, they fought in the comics plane too, right? But uh, I not, mean. Not to the death like that. I mean, that, they started off with Dark Knight. They introduced Batman by making him the Dark Knight. It, it just shows a lack of understanding of what that whole story was about. But anyway, I jumped in. But I, but go ahead, I Bob. Wasn't going to kill Iron Man or Iron Man wasn't going to kill yeah, because we had years of movies developing those characters and their relationships. It needed to be years before we got to the point where they were going to hurt each other. No, but well, like I say, you know, what I was trying to say is, you know, you had like Green Lantern, right? Green Lantern had a lot of humor in it, sort of like a Marvel oh. movie. And then DC said, no more humor. Okay. No, that didn't work. Yeah. That's the reason it bombed. No more humor. And so then you had these uh, movies that were like, 
trying to be dead serious, dark, gloomy, because the Dark Knight worked so well, you know. Right. And uh, so they've kind of they kind of just keep going off the rails and then jumping back on and then jumping back off. And it's not a consistent thing. And so I think that kind of peaked Batman versus Superman, you know, um, and really started to peak with justice league until they changed and they brought in Joss Whedon and he did whatever he did and who knows who did what. It was just a convoluted mess. All apologies to Larry. (laughs) So, you know, it's like that I think is Marvel's strong point is they have Kevin Feige and he has a vision. And even though he's got all these different directors going all different directions with all these different movies, he still corrals them into a singular vision, a singular style, a singular, you know, way of doing it. Hashtag it's all connected. The Marvel, (laughs) the Marvel way. So Walker, we'll go back to you you were saying. I don't know what was I saying. I was just I was, I was jumping I way off the subject. I mean, if you, if you you were saying what would you do differently about Batman and Superman versus Superman, I would not have a movie called Batman versus Superman. I probably would have made uh, Man of Steel two like they were intending, so we could get the repercussions of what happened in Man of Steel, where he kind of was complicit in destroying Metropolis. Um, I think what they needed to do was just be patient, develop the characters. Uh, give us, you know, give us more understanding of these characters. There may have been some thought that, oh, you know, Superman, Batman, everybody knows who these characters are. Well, no, not necessarily. You need to, you know, show us your vision of these characters. Um, They could have brought Batman in. I would have enjoyed if they had brought Batman in similar to, and I don't remember the exact name of the cartoon version of this, the animated version of this, but they had a much more reasoned detective version of Batman who was like, oh, who's this Superman guy? I'm going to figure it out. And they got involved in a case together. They were somewhat antagonistic. He didn't, you know, try to murder Superman. Um, that makes a lot more sense to me than let's just go straight to the Dark Knight, which is a Batman who has been driven to the edge um, there's a reason in that series that he is antagonistic towards Superman. It has to do with a geopolitical situation too. They've known each other for years and years. I mean, Dark Knight as a story is a great story, but what it did to comics for years afterwards and specifically what it did to Batman and kind of making everyone think that we've got to depict Batman as kind of a psychopath is, is really it's done a lot of damage to that character. Um, so yeah, I, I don't take any pleasure from seeing a Batman on the screen who is a broken down murderer, basically. But that seems to be where DC wants to go with him. And then his sudden, his sudden uh, like turn at the end when Superman dies and he's like, oh, now I feel like I want to be a good person because this guy I barely knew who I tried to murder for a whole movie makes me feel like I want to be a good person. That didn't work for me at all. So yeah, I would never have had them in that situation. And they could end at the end being just like, hey, we want to achieve the same aims, but we, the same goals, but we have different methods. Sorry. There we go. Done. Oh, very good, very good. Uh, and actually, I was uh, talking before we started recording. 
one of my nieces, and we're not going to talk about Venom Henry. I'm going to get to your fixing of DC versus Batman. But uh, she and her boyfriend loved the Venom film, and I and they were like, "Why didn't you, you know, enjoy it that much?" And I said, "Well, you know, because of the Spider-Man story and the way that the costume and this and that." And they had no concern, or it didn't affect their. Enjoy they I mean they loved Venom you know not didn't just like it they loved it well like, but you know the the symbiote the the you know the contest of champions and and it's the same thing with Batman they have no idea that there was a graphic novel by Frank Miller and sure the, right and, and they just liked the film and so I'm wondering topic for another discussion how much history do you need to know of a character to enjoy their television show or their film. For us, it's a different story. Well, for us, it's like they change it and we don't like it. Right. You know, whereas other people can go in, like, you know, like you're saying, the younger generation go in, they have no clue that Spider-Man got this suit on a planet when uh, all the good guys were fighting all the bad guys and he thought it was a cool suit and brought it back to Earth and then it became Venom. It's like... Well, Nobody knows, you know, if, you, if they haven't read that old comic in, in Secret Wars, they have no clue. So it's not, it doesn't bother them that it's a totally different origin for Venom or that he's standing on his own, no relation to Spider-Man. You know. It's the same thing. I mean, you know, I, I know the background between Batman and Superman, but here's my nephew like, oh, their mothers were both named Martha. And I kind of looked at him like, really? <laughs> you, you don't even I have a problem with that, but you know, that 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 nexus works for you, kid. All right, Mr. Henry, you're gonna marvelize or versus fix Batman versus Superman. Would you do this? Do that? Would you do like Karen and just abolish the film and say no? You're gonna do this movie instead. No, I mean I'm gonna jump on a point that that Bob made is you 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 don't need to marvel it is the first thing because uh, I'm gonna approach this the way I do when we do. With, with my multimedia company, we have, when we start doing TV shows, movies, whatever it is, right. I don't want to compare it to something else. Even though when you pitch it, that's this is this is the thing about this is the catch twenty two when you when you pitch to people is they they want something original, but the the first question is always, but what is it like? Right. You want something original, but what is it like? So uh, my first thing is, is um, how not how do I marvelize it? How do I make it better? That's the first thing I would do. And my first thing is. Like you said, who's Kevin Feige here? Because it started with uh, an executive from Warner Brothers. Now it's Jeff Johns with a little bit of help from Jim Lee. Uh, and I think it's still Jeff Johns, if I'm not mistaken, unless they changed it again. That's the problem. You've got too many too many cooks in the kitchen. And, and I don't think it's Jeff Johns anymore. I, I think they gave him a movie or something for him to do. Uh, so, see, but that's that's the problem. Is The right. reason why it, Marvel is so cohesive is mm -hmm. because they've taken the... They, I've seen it actually in in the New York office and then now in the LA offices. They actually have an, an entire wall with with lines drawn to where everything is going. The TVs, the everything. It, 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 there is a plan. There is a master plan where even beyond almost at the title Avengers Four next year, they know exactly where it's going to go. Um, and DC doesn't seem to have that. Um, my problem with Batman v Superman is not that it was. I know it was a bad movie. It just continuity-wise didn't make sense. Mm -hmm. Where uh, Karen kind of mentioned it, you have a movie where for the entire film he is hell bent on destroying this 
alien. He shouldn't have this kind of power. And then just because you realize, wait, why did you say that name? And all of a sudden, and, and my what really, I'll say, jumped the shark to me, made that movie jump the shark to me, was the moment when he goes through a cool scene, when he goes to rescue Martha Kent. And she's like, who are you? I'm, I'm, I'm your friend's son. Really? Since when? You just spent the entire movie trying to kill the guy. <laughs> that, that right there is when it lost me. I said, okay, that, that, I like the concept. I, um, I, I had a problem in the beginning when it was announced of, of, a, of a Batman versus Superman kind of thing because mm-hmm. they never had that. Um, and and well, I know for a fact that they, they didn't take any, any of the, uh, the, the Nolanverse into account because that's its own thing. Yeah, yeah. And, and I know a lot of people say it's dark, it's gritty. Not really. They weren't really. It, it, yeah, it was dark because there wasn't a lot of lighting. That was just set the mood. But what really make it, took it to the darkest was Heath Ledger, his portrayal of perfect portrayal of joker that's what the joker is um where you some people just want to see the the, the world burn that that he did it perfectly uh but to, to fix them not the marvelous but to fix it i again i would have one person in charge a kathleen kennedy a kevin feige and everything movies whatever's going to come out of it has to go through her or him and then once they get the okay and again they have to have the final plan and that's it you got to ask you know, Jeff Johns, whoever it's going to be, it has to go through them. And then from there, okay, what do we have that's better than Marvel, that can compete with the Marvel movies? That's a very good point. I would say two words, George prequels. Yeah. George Lucas was the driving force creator of Star Wars. He did the first three think films. That, and then the George prequels. prequels. <laughs> he was talking George Reese. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, fans, and uh, visitors to Planet 8. This is a part of the show where we usually have a sensor sweep, uh, but because we have Henry here, we're gonna go ahead and uh, turn over the mic to Henry so that he can go ahead and share with you some of the things that he has brewing on his side of the podcast universe. Uh, so please give a listen and uh, please tune in to some of the uh, shows that he's gonna share with you. Henry. Thank you. Uh, literally brewing because uh, at the beginning of December, it's cold outside, so we <laughs> got it brewing and nice and warm in here. But uh, um, the three main things we do is the Geek Speak show, uh, and then we also have the Weekend Geek, which is a faster-paced news story. We, we cover a lot of the stories that don't get a lot of coverage. Like, for example, gets buried by this movie got greenlit or the title of Episode Nine or Avengers or whatever. Everybody not, knows about that, but we talk about the smaller stories that in Geek geek culture that that I know our listeners and probably the Planet Eight listeners would care about, uh, but don't get the cover. So we talk about that. And we don't just sit there and read articles. We will tell you what the story is and kind of like what we've been doing here. We'll comment on it. Right. And then we have the other one, you know, Halloween is long gone now, but we, we uh, Paranormal Perceptions is an issue that we have. And that one is basically that uh, paranormal perception. We, we, we don't go on there saying we're experts. We know everything because like I've always said, even the paranormal experts don't know anything. Nobody knows anything about it. That's why it's called the unknown. Nobody will know until we get there. And so far, no one has come back and said, oh, yeah, by the way, I saw this, 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 and this. So we have, we have those, the, uh, the Geek Speak Show. Everything you can find, everything on the geekspeakshow.com. There's links to everything there. We have uh, every Wednesday is the Geek Speak episodes. Every Friday is the Week in Geek. And uh, Mondays is when we do a uh, release paranormal perception. We, uh, we're pretty much done for the, the years is almost pretty much done but we we're pretty much done for the year as far as covering events which is like where we meant cre- mm. meant at creatures come yeah yep. but next year we're covering the usual 
And it's a lot of celebration. You guys may have heard of it. It's happening in Chicago at <laughs> Star Wars Celebration. We're going to cover that one for sure. Um, but I will, I can announce now, nah, I won't give all the details because we haven't confirmed them yet. But next year, 2019, we'll, I keep saying Super Bowl, will be San Diego Comic-Con 50, the 50th Comic-Con. Wow. Half a century of celebrating the popular arts as their banners are going to stay. So, so what we're doing, we haven't been there all 50 years. I'm mean, not even close to 50, but um, and half the staff that's on Comic-Con right now, they haven't been there for the whole 50 years. But they've been, since our since we started the Geeks Week show, they've been, uh, everybody knows David Glanzer's been a good friend. He's been, he's been on all the, even for non-Comic-Con, he's a huge Star Wars fan. So he was on um, a couple of years ago now when we did the uh, the big, 40th anniversary, Star Wars 40th celebration. He had to come on, and that was a really fun conversation with him. So with in, in conjunction with them, we, the Geeks Big Show, we're going to, on preview night next year for Comic-Con, we're going to do a, we're gonna, I'm not sure yet where the location is. As a, again, I'm not going to give the details, but we're renting out a location, probably somewhere in the Gaslamp District. And, and yeah, I know everybody has the, the, the pre-Comic-Con parties, the, uh, the gatherings, the get-together, all that stuff. Ours is going to be to celebrate Comic-Con. So um, we're going to invite David and a lot of the staff from Comic-Con, including some that are no longer there but have been there. They were part of this 50-year journey. Right, right. They're going to be there. There's one nightclub that has um, one side of the wall is a huge LED screen, and we want that one be so we can show the history of Comic-Con. We can show slides. We can show video, everything. Uh, I, can, I can say it now, even though we haven't really confirmed it, but it looks like they want to do it. Kevin Feige will probably be there in a few of the Marvel people because everybody knows the reason why comic-con exploded to what it is now was because in 2007 and to now marvel's presentations is a show within a show and everybody goes there just for the marvel presentation in hall age so they are obviously a huge part this past decade and a half so they'll be there to do that and anybody else that wants to come and not sure yet how we're going to do it i don't want to do it like the way they they do the tickets where like in two seconds, they're gone, and people who always wanted to go, you can't go. We're trying to make it open to everybody. I mean, there's you know limitations how many how many people the uh, the club can fit, but uh, we're trying we're trying to make it to everybody. And you don't have to have a Comic Con badge. So if you're in the area, you want to be there for on preview night, just to take in the sites and mm-hmm. go join us for that. You can you can do that. But all details will be coming up pretty soon. But I can tell you guys now that's what we're the the Geek Speak Show. What we're going to be doing uh, next year. Um, on preview night, the, the, the start, the 50, 50, uh, 2019. Yeah. All so, right. uh, I think that's it. Yeah, that's, that's and, it. And if folks want to find you, what's the best way to find you out on the interwebs? Everything on the geekspeakshow.com. Okay. Wow. So San Diego Comic Con started 78, 79? Yeah. 78? It's math. I'm not my 68. Friend. No, 69. Well, whatever 50 years ago next year. 69 to be. 19 would be yeah. 15. Oh, okay. Gotcha. All right. 68 to 18. That's what Larry is here. He doesn't I went there in 80. (laughs) So I guess I was like 10 or 12 Comic-Cons in or something like that. Many, many moons ago. 1980 was cool. Monkey Punch was there. And Monkey Punch created Loop on the Third. (laughs) (laughs) I have been educated. That's right. Walker, when was your first trip to Comic-Con? When I was a wee child, it was in 1975. Uh, you got me beat. Awesome. Well, wait. Here's when is Planet Eight going to be there? Whenever we get big enough for them to <laughs> let us. 
We will see, Henry. I, I may join you on preview night. I have a niece that stays down in San Diego, so. Uh, you guys I, will get red carpet treatment if you I, make it out there. I appreciate it. Uh, I haven't been there since 2011, so. Yeah, I, I notice like a lot of the uh, cons kind of want you to be podcasting for a year and yeah, yeah, and things that it's like you know we're we won't be a year until like March of. 2019 so yeah you, you, you know what bob you're right and yeah. i I'm, I'm gonna throw this out there not defending comic-con and i'm not mm -hmm. part of them in, in any way other than right. well we are friends yeah. but i get that because i know for a fact i know people who tried it but the reason why comic-con does that is because a lot of people create a youtube page a blog or something that, like a few months before get tickets because when you go as media you you get complimentary passes yeah they go they don't cover anything they just live in Hall H and watch everything and basically get free tickets and then that's it. Comic-Con, they, and WonderCon, but especially Comic-Con, they really do, when you say, when you register as press, they go back and watch the coverage that you do. Oh, good. So if they see God. that you had, didn't cover anything, the next year you will not be accepted again. And people say, oh, Comic-Con didn't accept me, they gave me a badge. Well, yeah, but you didn't do anything. So they know, oh, these guys are just getting free, free badges. That, the... That's why they do that. Good, keep it legit. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't tried to get into Comic-Con via my other website. But Keith, a Keith Aiken and I do, shameless plug, Keith Aiken and I do Sci-Fi Japan, which uh, is huge. And it's gotten me into, like, a lot of stuff. Yeah. So, you know, Bob I, I, can, be there next year I could play that angle, too. But we'll see. Well, no, you guys, when did you start planning? March of last March. year. March last year? This year. Oh, this year, I'm sorry, yeah. Bob's been time jumping a little. No, you, oh, you'll well, be actually, actually May. Was it May? You, well, okay. Yeah, we couldn't we couldn't pick up a, pick out a name for two months. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, no, I was gonna say by Comic Con. Yeah, you, you guys will be, we'll be old a little enough. over a year. Yeah, but is that too late at that point? It might be because yeah. so it might around be now like, December is when they start opening press registration. So to go back to your original question, maybe Comic-Con of 2020 we can get in there. Well, I'll say this, a okay, yeah, little bias is my show, yeah. I always say. It's the first one I went to. WonderCon actually would be the better one to start at because oh, it, you have a lot more access to, it's, it's Comic-Con type, you know, TVs and celebrities and everything and, and the exhibitors floor. It's more intimate, I still say, even though it's getting bigger. But as, when you go as press, you do have a lot more access to have the interview, the celebrities, the, uh, everybody that's there. And, and you don't have to wait for hours in press rooms or in lines. You, you can breathe, actually, out there. Is I've, the been, I've been into WonderCon via Sci-Fi Japan before, and it's mainly because it used to be up here in Northern California. Yeah. Ever since it left, feeling. I've just, like, treated it like it doesn't exist anymore, but... Well, I mean, I've, well, I've said it, maybe you guys won't like me anymore, but I've said it, it belongs in Anaheim. It's much yeah. better over there than it was over here. San Francisco, well, the Moscone area mm -hmm. is not a convention-friendly area. Well, I used to like it when it was in Oakland. Yeah, that's, that was my that first was way one. back. Yeah. Well, I think we're also considering Monster Palooza for yeah. next year. Well, that's, yeah, that, that's a lot easier to get into, but, uh, you know, we'll see. You know, there's there's plenty of things, you know, there's... Silicon Valley Comic Con up here, and I'm already talking to the Baycon people. Well, you know, you actually year, know what so. a lot of uh, cons, I don't, I don't think San Diego's do, but a lot of con celebration actually is doing it mm -hmm. for next year. 
they're they're giving you uh, I guess booth space or stage to do a podcast. Mm -hmm. And, and oh, anybody that has cool. podcast, they let you podcast for an hour or a couple hours. Nice. Well, we're not that big, Henry. So we're going to have something set up at the Denny's across from the Burbank. <laughs> <laughs> Free nachos. That's right. Planet Eight at Del Taco. Come on by. <laughs> And on that note, my fellow uh, intergalactic travelers, this concludes our transmission of Planet 8. We would like to thank all of our intergalactic audience for listening. Be good to each other. Uh, we're all fans. We all love stuff. Uh, for the record, I love Batman versus Superman. I wouldn't change it. <laughs> I want you to go out and I want you to tell us, what did you think of The Last Jedi? Who should raise parents be? If you were going to change or fix Batman versus Superman, or would you leave it alone? The conversation continues, folks, and it involves you. I want to thank you each for listening in each and every episode. Uh, be sure to head over to our website, www.planetatepodcast.blogspot.com. And again, uh, comment on the episode. Tell us what you liked. Tell us what you didn't like. What would you like us to discuss in the future? Uh, for more conversation, find us over on Twitter at PlanetateCast or on our Facebook page at Facebook slash podcast, Planet 8 Podcast, sorry. Look forward to uh, having you guys around for the next episode. Uh, enjoy yourselves, and this is Planet 8, signing off and transmission. Martha, why did you say that name? Uh, stop! Please, stop! Why did you say that name? It's his mother's name. It's his mother's name.